following a group of 10 young people in a series of facilitated workshops on issues relating to the climate crisis and the challenges we all face. There is no planet B. This is a journey through the climate crisis on KCLR. If burning fossil fuels was so bad that it threatened our very existence, how could we just continue like before? A journey through the climate crisis is funded by commissioning a man with a television license fee. Hello and welcome to our brand new 10-piece documentary series, A Journey Through the Climate Crisis, where we follow a group of 10 young people from Ossery Youth as they take part in a series of facilitated workshops on issues related to the climate crisis and the challenges we all face. They're going to dive into some workshops over the next 10 weeks to get that deeper understanding about climate change and how it all works and what we can do to make it that bit better. I'm Shannon Redmond and I'll be your narrator throughout the series as well as that. I'll be going on the journey with you all as well as the 10 participants. And I know it's going to be a good one. Today's episode is a bit of an introductory one where the group will meet one another and get to know each other that bit better with some icebreaker games. They're always a bit of fun. As well as that, they're going to have what they like to call a moving debate where they share their opinions on things that may be impacting the climate. So it's basically a debate, but they use their bodies to answer the question. Very interesting. You're going to hear more about that a little later in the episode. If you want to get involved or share your thoughts, then the dinner is ready. Text or WhatsApp is 083 306 9696. I think it's time we get the show on the road and meet the group, starting with the group coordinator from Ossery Youth, Jacinta Purcell. Hi everyone, you're very welcome to Ossery Youth. This is our first meeting of the climate group and we're very excited and looking forward to seeing what will happen over a number of episodes. A lovely welcome to Ossery Youth from Jacinta. John Purcell, CEO of KCLR, also has a few words to say. We're really looking forward to having you all on KCLR over the coming weeks. It's really exciting. It's a very serious subject, but we hope you have fun and uh, We're looking forward to it. Now it's time to meet some of the group participants. These guys are going to bring us on this journey over the next 10 weeks. So kicking us off, it is Adam. My name is Adam Dempsey. I'm 14 years old and something interested about me, I have a dog called Alfie. I got involved with this programme because I was interested in climate change and because I want to help out um, to fix climate change. Next up, we meet Mida. My name is Mita Trehan and I'm 16 years old. Something interesting about me is that I represented Ireland in the Youth Environmental Education Congress in Prague that took place in March of 2022. And I also love reading, especially classics. I'm reading um, Moby Dick right now. And yeah, that's something interesting about me. I got involved in this program because I'm really passionate about climate justice. And I believe that youth engagement is really important in achieving that. And I thought this was a perfect way to do that. Now it's time to hear from Matthew. Hello, my name is Matthew. Matthew Hickey and I am 18 years old. Something interesting about me is I like to walk, although that's probably very banal. I wanted to get involved with this program because I want to learn more about the climate crisis but also share what information I may have about it with the general public, I suppose. We have not one but two Matthews. Let's hear from Matthew B. My name is Matthew Bulger. I am 17 years old and I like playing hurling. Uh, I'm interested in the climate because I believe it will affect my future and my children's future 
and I don't think the government are doing enough about it. And Nola tells us a little bit about herself. Hi, my name is Nola Rose Garcia Donahue. Um, I'm 15 years old and I I was born in Spain, um, but I live in Ireland for um, a year and a half and my mum is Irish. And um, something interesting about me is that I love singing, dancing and performing. Um, I got involved in this programme because um, I really care about climate change and I'm in the Green Schools Committee in in Loretta in my school and um, I was cycle ambassador um, this year. We will be hearing from some more participants as the series goes on. We already heard from Jacinta a little earlier, but let's hear some more about her and Ruth from Oster Youth. Hi, my name is Jacinta Purcell and I'm a youth worker here in Oster Youth for the last 20 plus years. And my main role is with the Youth Information Centre here and I get the wonderful job of being involved with lots of young people um, uh, throughout different programmes which is why I'm here today. One of the programmes is we linked in with KCLR to develop a climate crisis group so that we could journey with young people to try and create a bit of change with KCLR listeners and with the young people's families and through young people in the youth centre here. I think it would be really good for young people to go on this journey because they're the ones that are actually going to create change because people will listen to them and they have a lot of influence. Um, I think they speak their mind, which is really important. And our role here in Osri Youth is to be the advocate for them, sometimes um, speak for them, but we love nothing more than empowering them to actually be the voice. And we kind of sit back really and let them lead. And we're just here to help them along the way. My name is Ruth Hashan. I'm a youth worker with Osri Youth Kilkenny. I'm really delighted to be involved in this project with a fantastic group of young people um, who are really who are really eager to affect change when it comes to climate change. Now in Ossery Youth, they don't actually have any rules. I mean, you love to see it. Instead, they have a thing called a group contract. Very interesting. So let's hear a little bit more about that. So today we're going to, just to get to know each other, we're going to do a few icebreaker games. And um, we're also going to do a group contract. And then we're going to get into talking about change. So is anyone here familiar with what a group contract is? Yes. Essentially, it's a bunch of rules that everyone in the group must abide by. Generally, um, these rules are to do with stuff like no discrimination and just what we're here to do and how we're meant to treat everyone with respect. It's a formality, really. Absolutely, yeah. There There are a set of guidelines, so it's just about setting limits respect and opinions in the group and there is going to be different differing opinions as the weeks progress so I suppose it's just about respecting those so I'll hand over to you can you come up with anything that you could think of that's important uh free speech just so uh we make sure that everyone has their opinions heard um because there's going to be a lot of contradictory contradictory opinions down the line you just need to make sure that everyone knows that they're able to say what they want in this group and in this space no discrimination, as I said, I suppose would be simple and respecting each other's opinions. Uh, listening to everyone's thoughts and respecting everyone's and uh, no phones. No phones is always important. <laughs> Jacinta is writing down at the moment. The most important one of all is have fun. 
I went ahead and asked some other members of Youth what they think should be included in this group contract. We could be patient with each other. We shouldn't talk over one another. And we should do the homework each week. To not make fun of people. Now that we've all met, it's time to learn a little more about each other. Have you ever heard of the game Two Truths and a Lie? Okay, everyone, we're going to start with an icebreaker because it's always good to get everybody kind of warmed up for the workshop and not everybody knows everybody. So if you've ever heard of a game called Two Truths and a Lie, what we're going to do is we're going to go around the room and everybody has to say two truths about themselves and one lie. And it can be just really general stuff like, you know, my favourite food is chocolate, but it mightn't be. Uh, the questions we'll, we'll answer. And uh, we'll see then. You'll give a chance. You'll get to discuss it among yourselves and you have to guess what the person's lie might be. My name is Matthew. I love bread. I have a pet dog and I'm lactose intolerant. Okay, you can't love bread if you're lactose intolerant. So I think it's one of them. Lactose-free bread. Oh yeah, okay. I mean, you haven't mentioned a dog, I don't think. Have you? No. I, I think I'm going to go for the dog. I think sometimes people go with the lie. They think if I say the first one, you'll think that's the lie. So I think the dog as well. Let's go for the dog then. I'm not lactose intolerant. Hey. <laughs> my name is Adam. I like cats. And my favorite color is purple. And I have a dog. I don't think your favorite color is purple. Yeah, you were yeah. smirking. I don't know. Yeah, I think the smile possibly could have given it away. Our listeners can't see that smile, but I think definitely the smile is a giveaway. Or maybe he's just smiling like that so that he can throw us off the scent. <laughs> I think I think the purple. Yeah, you can you can like cats and have a dog. So yeah, those are all viable ones. A cat and a dog in the same house. Mm, it's kind of sus. <laughs> We have a cat and a dog in our house. I think I think I want to go for the purple one. I'm going to stick with purple as well. I will too. And you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Nola. Um, I'm terrified of snakes. Um, I was in two musical theatres and um, I broke my arm when I was 10. I feel like the musical theatre is a half-truth. Maybe it's not that you were in two, maybe you were in like three or four. I mean, snakes are a very valid thing to be terrified of, so I would get that. I don't know if that's a lie. Musical theatre? I don't. You seem like a musical theatre gal, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the broken arm? I think you like snakes. I think it's the broken arm. Yeah, I'll go for the broken arm too. Broken arm is truth. Um, oh. It was the snake. I love snakes. I knew it. <laughs> my name is Mida. Um, I had a fish named Guppy. Um, I love horror movies, and I did ballet for th- four years when I was younger. Well, some people do like horror movies, so she could be true with that. I say it might be the fish. I think that kind of rolled off quite easily. I don't know. To me, that seemed like a truth. I think the fish. Are we sticking with fish? You are wrong. Um, you didn't. You were wrong on both of them. The one that was a lie was I never did ballet. I did hip hop when I was younger, so that's a lie. I love horror movies. 
Now, this whole documentary series is based on climate change. And of course, the world is always, always changing. So it's very important for the young people and the participants to all understand the concept of change. And that's exactly what their next topic is. Okay, so now that we've the icebreakers done and we all know each other a little better, we'll move on to talking about the concept of of change. Um, And I suppose that's the main reason that we're all here for the next number of weeks to discuss um, the topic of climate change. Um, I suppose for ourselves, Jacinta, as as youth workers, we really recognise the potential of young people to be drivers of change. Um, And we have a fantastic group of of young people here with us today um, that are very capable of that and I'm really excited to open up discussion over the next few weeks and we're all we're all coming from different perspectives and um, different life experiences and I suppose it's just tapping into that wealth of, of knowledge that's in the room here. Um, Absolutely and, and just to go back to our group contract as well like we all agreed that we'd respect each other and our opinions so I think that's really important when you're talking about change because we're all sitting around a table talking about the climate crisis which is a real issue for each of us and everybody else that's listening so I think it's really important that we, we get to map that change as we go along because, you know, we're going to journey on this. There's going to be lots of different opinions. There's going to be, we're going to have guest speakers coming in to tell us about where they're coming from in relation to climate change and the climate crisis. And like Ruth said, the heart of youth work is about empowering young people to create change so that we're hoping that by the end of this, um, who knows what might happen, that we might... Um, touch on things that listeners kind of really take on board and maybe the change kind of spreads and that more and more people kind of sit up and take notice of what's going on. What is the importance of content of change? Okay, so it's a great question. Um, and I suppose I was, I've handed out a booklet to everyone there that I found this week and um, it's published by Oxfam and it talks, it's, it's purely focused on young people and change um, and they talk a lot about transformational change um, and there's one part in it that talks about at the moment it's the largest youth population ever in the world. So, and the massive potential for, for young people to change and how they can be supported to do that. Well, that makes a lot of sense, I suppose, because we have the largest population that's ever existed on the planet at the minute anyway, and it keeps growing. So it makes sense that as our population continues to grow, the number of young people continues to grow. Uh, wasn't it what... The majority of the people in the world are under the age of 20 or 25 or something like that. I can't give you an exact figure, but I seem to recall that being the case. That is right. And what, what do you think then is the potential from that? If there's, if there's more young people than older people? I suppose it means that what certain countries with large young populations will be doing well in the future more or less while other countries such as in the west um, as their populations age they will have less and less people who are able to work and earn money which might be a problem from an economic perspective but i suppose in terms of change as 
the younger generations of the planet come into their own and all of that, presumably they will then be able to exert a certain level of influence over the direction of humanity, I guess, uh, assuming that they do end up garnering enough influence. Yeah, I agree with Matthew on that, that there is a lot of uh, change to be impacted upon by young people, especially since the number of young people in the population is growing, more leaders and decision makers will be taking those young people into account and not just as a form of tokenism, but actually hearing their voices and taking their opinions into account, which I think is a really important factor in driving change. So yeah, Mida, I think from what you're saying to me there is about the factors that might enable that change. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So just to enable the change, like to get young people more involved in decision making, we need to have more groups like these and um, more kind of youth engagement activities within local communities to get young people involved before we move on to uh, national engagement and international engagement just to have their voices heard on even a local level first. I think personally that a lot of emphasis should actually be placed on the social and economic I suppose development of certain areas which would generally be considered poorer than others. So say for example we have what would widely be considered to be the global West, which is wealthier generally than much of the rest of the world. Um, I think that the rest of the world should probably be developed further economically so that the young people and other older people from those countries can actually have their own voices heard and have their own lives improved. Of course, how to do that is a bit difficult because our whole economic model is based off of industrializing through the burning of fossil fuels and that has helped us tremendously in certain ways it's really improved our standards of living in many developed countries however well we can't keep burning fossil fuels and all of that now because we've discovered that burning fossil fuels produces carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases which affects climate change so it's a bit of a what do we do kind of situation it's very thorny Yeah, I think that's why the um, transition to clean and renewable energy is so important, but not just a transition, also a just transition. So we ensure that people who are working in these fossil fuel industries um, have jobs secured and their financial stability isn't like overpowered by this um, clean transition to renewable energy as well. And this way we can get the um, like we can get diversity in the movement. We can make sure all opinions and views are heard. Uh, We're damaged the planet with um, sprays and equipment um, because the ozone uh, on the planet has holes in it and that's why the sun's heat is getting hotter and we're the only planet that we can live on so we're basically killing the planet we can only live on. We've seen over these past days that um, the climate is changing um, so in Ireland here there was like a heat wave and it wasn't really normal for Ireland and because I'm from Spain I'm like used to that heat and then I'm like seeing that heat here in Ireland was a really shock for me to just wow that's a big change. What actually is a just transition really? I mean we say that word a lot but what does that look like? What do you think? Like? 
Well, I guess a just transition would look like for people, if we're talking about stopping fossil fuel production and switching to renewable energy, I guess a just transition would look like that the people who are working in those fossil fuels industries have a secure job and financial stability after they've um, stopped working in the fossil fuel industry. So their livelihood isn't affected by this transition. And how do we do that? Well, that's that's what I mean. Like, we have to figure out how to make a clean, just transition before we decide to include the West. Um, and before we decide to just completely stop fossil fuels, we need to make sure that the just transition is, in fact, in work and that the people who are working in these fossil fuel industries aren't just being laid off with no compensation for their work. I asked the same group from earlier, why do they think change is important? And what change do they think young people can really make? I think that change is important because there are many animals that are sensitive to slight changes in the environment, such as frogs, which entire populations could die out just because the acidity of the water rises slightly. With the Since there's the largest youth population today, there... There's a lot of young people that can take a stand against some of the more some of the more important things against climate change. I think it's important because we might not see here, but people in other countries could be suffering because of climate change. Change doesn't always mean big things. You can always start with small things too. I guess without change we cannot progress as a community and a species. And if nature is doing what it does best, then we're probably going to die soon, you know? So our survival is at risk here, and not just our survival, but everyone else's, like all the like in, like endangered species who are so vital to our ecosystem. I guess the biggest change that young people can make is to, like, you know, influence their guardians slash caregivers. And be like, this is not right, kind of thing. And, you know, strengthen numbers. If a lot of people say something's not right, then people have no choice but to listen, you know? So, like, we have to find a confidence and find our voices to tell people what's going on. I think change is important because at the moment the climate isn't very good. And uh, if we keep going at the rate we're going, it will only continue to get worse. Um, a change young people could make would be possibly cycling to school or trying to recycle more um, or taking shorter showers even. I think change is important because if we don't do something about it, our world will be destroyed. I think young people can make changes by recycling and buying biodegradable and reusable things. Okay, guys, that was really good. Um, I think this is going to be an interesting few weeks with with you. It's beginning to sound a little bit like you're you're quite natural at debating. So I'm wondering how you'd feel about us moving on and doing a little bit of a moving debate. Uh, Does everybody understand the concept of that? Yeah, so maybe just to clarify for our listeners, um, what myself and Ruth are going to be doing is we're going to be throwing out some statements around climate crisis and climate change. And the idea is that you can either agree with the statement, you can disagree with the statement, or maybe sometimes we're not sure. So in the room here, we have our three headings. So we'll have get everybody to stand in the middle 
and we'll throw out one of the statements and then you take a step to your right if you uh, disagree with the statement, you take a step to your left if you agree with it, or you can stay in the middle. And then we'll give people an opportunity to have their say and tell us why they are standing where they're standing. And we'll kind of outline for our listeners as well, visually, uh, kind of how many people are at which side of the room, just to, to make it a little bit more interesting. So we'll move on. Let's go to our moving debate. Move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. Yeah, I like to move it. Okay, everyone, we're just about to get underway with our moving debate. So everybody understands the concept. So we're all in the middle of the room and we're going to kick off. So the first statement is recycling is causing more trash in our environment. So do you agree, disagree, or are you not sure? So there seems to be a bit of, ooh, it's kind of split nearly. Yes, so we have, are you happy to stay where you are? Okay, so we have two on the not sure side, and that's okay. And we have two on the agree side. So I think we have a hands up from Matthew. We're going to go across to Matthew to find out why he agrees with the statement. Well, recycling itself inherently does not lead to more waste. However, well, most countries do not fully recycle all the things that they're meant to recycle. I forget the figures for Ireland, but from what I recall, we're sort of the worst in Europe when it comes to plastic. We have a lot of plastic waste. And so sometimes we'd recycle things, and a lot of the time, as to be honest, a lot of the rules around recycling are poorly understood, perhaps because they are poorly explained. But anyway, um, a lot of the things that people try to recycle end up being contaminated, whether it's by dirt or waste or water, whatever, and so they can't be recycled. But because of the way recycling works, as they put them into the plants, generally, if one thing is contaminated going into, say, a recycling bin, that could potentially contaminate the entire recycling bin, and then it all is just thrown away. So the issue really is recycling itself is a good thing. It doesn't actually cause waste, but if something's improperly recycled, then it does lead to waste. And as of now, sadly, this is in my own school, actually, as of now, most of Ireland's recyclable waste is improperly recycled, which is a shame. Matthew, that was really good. And I think it's going to get listeners actually thinking and be more aware of when they are recycling to make sure they're doing it properly. So I think we're going to go over now to the unsure side to see, have you decided to stay where you are or might you consider moving after hearing what Matthew had to say? I'm just on the unsure side because I see both the pros and cons in the situation. Um, the motion or the statement that you said that recycling is causing more trash in the environment, I don't think it's inherently true because recycling in its nature is supposed to reduce the amount of trash in the environment, but the way we are doing it is bad. For example, we're sending a lot of our recycling to China and not all of that uh, recycling is being properly recycled, which caused the creation of the Great Pacific Garbage garbage patch which is roughly the area of like eight Ireland's so obviously all that recycling isn't being recycled but to say recycling is creating more trash is kind of um, an exaggeration because there is more like trash already and if recycling is done properly it is supposed to be reducing the trash so it it is not necessarily creating excess it's just if it's not it's just not being done right currently that's why I'm in the unsure side. Okay, so after hearing everyone's viewpoints, are you guys happy to stay where you are? So we're going to go around and ask people or if you might decide to change at this last minute. I'm going to stay with not sure. 
Yeah, I'm also going to stay with not sure. I'm going to stay with agree. I'll keep agreeing. As the excitement rises for the moving debate, I thought it'd be quite interesting to hear from a few more people. So I asked Richard, Emma and Chesie from earlier about their thoughts on some of the subjects as well. Here's what they had to say on this one. I disagree because we are reusing the same pla- piece of pieces of plastic, so we're not producing much more. Yeah, I I disagree. I think there's just not a lot of uh, truth or fact behind it to really back it up. I am unsure of the statement whether it's fa- false or true. Like, like recycling overall is a good thing. But if major corporations are like, you know, recycling, just sending off all the stuff to other countries to just like leave it, then nothing is really being recycled. Like it's just not a problem anymore, the way people look at it. So I disagree because I think recycling gives us a place to put our used plastics and materials instead of just throwing them on the ground. I disagree because recycling doesn't add to landfills. That was great. Uh, We're going to move on to the second statement, which is being a vegetarian will help to solve global warming. If people kind of moving between the moment, gathering their thoughts. Nola, where are you? Are you, you're strongly in disagree? Well, I think that um, being a vegetarian doesn't mean that you have to make a big change. It's just, um, I think, Animals and vegetables are like both like you need to have them for your like food like animals they might be over um like there might be too many animals and it's good to like like not to over exploit them and we have two we have two not sure's and one agree we have Mida in agree. So we'll go to the other side of the scale with Mida. Can you tell us why you agree that vegetarians could help solve global warming? Okay, so I'm mostly in the agree because it says help solve global warming and not fix global warming because becoming vegetarian is a step in the right direction. If not completely solving global warming or climate change, it will be a step towards achieving climate justice because as we all know, uh, cows... Um, you know, they put out methane into the environment, which is a greenhouse gas, which damages the environment. And by eating less meat, we're making sure that there's less greenhouse gases. Um, And I know it's not the only solution to solving climate change, but it is one that people could take if they want to take a step in that direction. But it's not something for everyone and not everyone has to do it. Yeah. Okay. thank you. And I, I see Adam shrugging his shoulders here a little bit. Are you getting something from both sides, Adam? Because you're you're not sure at the moment. And is there anything maybe that Nola or Mida said that might resonate with you that might get you to change position? Probably um, when she said that we should uh, keep it low with eating animals because um, we're um, killing the environment. Um, I personally am unsure because I can see both sides really because... On the one hand, yes, a lot of um, carbon emissions are produced by all the things that go into raising and producing animals, which then are killed for their meat. And although, well, I personally eat meat and it's lovely, it's delicious, it's good for you. (laughs) But um, I can see that, for example, cows um, 
I suppose a lot of carbon emissions are, are used in, for example, getting their food, and a lot of them are also used in just everything that goes into raising them, really, the transportation of them and all of that, and then killing them and all of that. And, of course, there is the methane. But anyway, aside from that, there's also the side that in Ireland we import most of our vegetables, which is kind of a travesty, to be honest. But anyway, so we import most of our vegetables, which would therefore mean that we need to ship them in from other countries, which therefore means that it produces carbon emissions. So although being a vegetarian could indeed potentially um, reduce the amount of emissions that you yourself are technically producing or are a part of producing or being produced for your benefit, it still does lead to emissions being produced. So... It could help, but it might not help as much as it should. Also, I've noticed when buying vegetables that they're wrapped in a lot of plastic and like comparing how they wrap meat, um, you can see that plastic is more wasted when like buying vegetables because like if you buy tomatoes, they might be in a plastic, but like you could get them separately wrapped in another thing. So another plastic containment. So yeah really good arguments from both sides has anyone's mind been changed but is everyone happy to stay where they are or is anyone thinking about maybe moving i'm going to stay in this disagree i'm going to remain unsure i'm going to remain unsure i'm going to stay in the agree some mixed opinions on that one let's see what the other group members think I disagree because the vegetarian foods that are like the fake meats and stuff like that are some are like very processed so like they're also unhealthy so like they're unhealthy and they take lots of water to, and plants which require more water to create well i am a form of being a vegetarian but i don't really think it will do much to save the planet i disagree with the statement Obviously, being vegetarian could help have like a lot of health benefits, but again, if you're only eating plants, then that would mean like major overpopulation of other products, like like cows, chickens, a lot more animals, and well, they also need to be fed, and that would mean we have to like grow way more plants, and growing way more plants means we need way more water and such, and we don't really have a lot of water to use if we're going to save the planet, so... Um, I disagree because I think that the alternatives for food when you're vegetarian also cause a lot of damage to the environment, like getting things shipped overseas. I agree to some extent because it has been proven to reduce greenhouse gases. Okay, everyone, we're back in the middle again for our next statement. So, social media influencers are to blame for glorifying fast fashion that is harmful to our environment. Okay, so a bit more movement this time. Still deciding here, okay. I'll put myself as between unsure and agree. That's allowed to. We have two and a half, three-ish on the agree side of the room and we have one unsure in the middle. So I think maybe because we have more on the agree side, we might start with ye. So in order to give Adam an opportunity to see if he'll change his mind. Yes, so I think social media influencers um, really impact on teenagers and kids um, when deciding what they want. Because it's like 
when you see kids after watching a YouTube video about their artists, if they like promote um, a t-shirt that is like fast fashioned, they might want to get it. And yeah, so I really agree with that. I agree with it in the sense that there is undeniably an influence that social media influencers, I suppose that's why they're called that, have over young people and perhaps even some older people. And some of them do indeed promote the wearing of certain clothes or brands or whatever. And young people especially are, of course, very um, susceptible to peer pressure and all of that. So they want to fit in. And so they buy these things, which can lead to fast fashion. I'm agreeing in the sense that, yes, social media influencers do influence people to take part in fast fashion. But there's also the fact that they're not the only factor, or perhaps not even the main factor, leading to people engaging in fast fashion. I think um, that social media influencers are indeed guilty of glorifying fast fashion products because especially the fast um, fashion products that they maybe have no idea of or aren't aware of themselves and they're just advertising for the commission that they're getting for it and especially those influencers with a large fan base um, are influencing their young followers to buy these fast fashion products which is a contributing factor to the growing population and the growing amount of people who are buying these fast fashion products so I definitely think they are a factor and that's why I'm on the agree side. Okay so we're going to go to the not sure side and we're going to ask Adam what he thinks after hearing the other opinions. Um, I don't know because I haven't seen this happen yet so um, I'm just on the unsure because I don't know. Because you're saying you're unsure are you going to stay there? even after hearing um, what the guys had to say about fast fashion and kind of the influence people have on it? Uh, I'm probably going to move to agree. Wow, that's really interesting. So again, we're nearly seeing a little bit of that change that we were talking about already earlier on, so that by having these discussions that young people can actually empower other young people to look at things differently and create change. Some great stuff there, but do the other participants feel the same? Um, I'm unsure. I think they do do, I think they do add a bit to it and they do influence you into buying things, but I don't think they're all to blame. I do think that influencers heavily influence um, fast fashion because they they come out with some clothing they'd get like a million a few million views on like TikTok or YouTube Shorts. Then younger people would be like, "I want to look cool like this influencer, so I'm going to buy the same T-shirt or same shirt as them." I'm with Emma on this. Like, I'm also unsure. Of it, but also I don't think influencers are like entirely to blame, if that makes sense. Like, you can idolize a certain person, but you don't want to like, you know, become them. If that makes sense. I agree because I think that the social media influencers often wear the wear the piece of clothing only once and then end up throwing it out sometime later. I agree because they will only wear it once. And they have lots of other clothes, so they're probably more likely to throw them out. So the next debate statement is the wealthy are more accountable for environmental harm than the poor. We have three very definite agrees. Now we have four very definite agrees. 
Okay, so everybody is on agree that the wealthy are more accountable for environmental harm than the poor. Uh, I think yes, because they think they can buy whatever they want and do whatever they want because they're rich. Um, yeah, I think because they're rich, they waste more products. And also when rich people um, waste a lot of products that they buy, they send them to like poor countries. That affects a lot. In terms of the wealthiest people in the world, billionaires and all of them, generally, yes, they as individuals do indeed produce and consume a lot more, produces in a carbon emissions. They do indeed consume a lot of things and they, do, and they do indeed produce a lot of carbon emissions with their activities. I imagine plenty of people can think of what those activities are, you know, flying around near constantly, buying all these luxury products and all of that. So the wealthier a person is, generally, they do indeed produce more carbon emissions and all of that. I think in terms of this statement, I'm going to think about wealthy individuals rather than wealthy countries, because I think they contribute more to climate change and global warming than poor. Um, Oxfam actually found that 125 billionaires contribute 1 million times more um, in carbon emissions than the average person, which is a really big it's a significant amount and it shows because they have so much more resources, they are exploiting these resources and they're overusing them. Um, so I definitely do think that um, wealthy people do contribute more to global warming than the average person. And finally, let's see if the rest of the guys think the wealthy are more accountable than the poor. I think it sort of depends on how they're spending their money. So like if, uh, say, like millionaire A lives a lavish lifestyle, uh, buys all the newest clothes, phones, uh, electronics, vehicles, stuff like that, he would definitely be kind of like held a bit more responsible, but still but still not really. But then if like the other millionaire uh, doesn't really do the same, he's more conservative with his money, funds, charities, stuff like that, then I wouldn't really say he would be to, to blame. Yeah, I kind of agree with Richard. Like, you can't really put them all in one box because some of them, they really do try and then others just don't try at all. I agree with both Emma and Richard. It kind of comes down to, to, like, what kind of billionaire people are and how they got the money and what they spend it on, if that makes sense. Like, some people can, like, go above and beyond to, you know, make their life as luxurious as possible. Well, another billionaire could, like, be more conscious and, you know, use the money to help people who really need it and such. But, like, it's difficult when most billionaires are such hypocrites being, like, we're all in the same boat when, like, I just have a little wooden plank. They have, like, a 50-foot giant cruise ship, you know, like, with great power comes great responsibility. And obviously it comes down to, like, they can influence a lot of people as well, so be a good role model, I guess. I agree with this because I think the wealthy have more access to the likes of private planes, private cars, all that kind of stuff. So I think they end up using more harmful emissions than other people. I agree because they normally have numerous cars, they travel more and they own massive houses which use more energy than others. Now, each week throughout this series, we will have a segment called Climate Curiosities. What this is, is a fun did you know section giving you all some facts about the climate crisis, but also some tips on some ways that you can help. 
Trish Archer will lead the way by giving us these tips and tricks. So let's hear this week's Climate Curiosities. Climate Curiosities, exploring the wonders of our changing world. Did you know that the last 10 years have been some of the warmest years on record? The earth is getting warmer because people are putting a lot of stuff into the air that traps heat. This trapped heat makes the planet's temperature go up. This warming can cause problems like higher sea levels and strange weather. So it's important for us to do things to stop putting so much heat trapping stuff into the air. Climate Curiosities, exploring the wonders of our changing world. Thanks for that, Trish. Now, the group really seem to enjoy this week's session. A great way to kickstart the project. But we're not going to send them home empty-handed. No, we would never do that. We are going to send them home with some homework. Now, it's nothing too big, nothing to worry about, but it will get their brains thinking about the climate crisis. Each week, the group will be sent home with homework based on the workshop that they just took part in. So let's hear this week's homework. Okay, thanks everybody for taking part in the moving debate. It was really interesting and it was lovely to hear um, everyone's opinions on such interesting topics. Um, What we're going to do is the kind of format each week with this is we're going to give you a little bit of homework or, you know, some might like to call a little bit of a challenge each week um, at the end of every episode. And then the following week when we start, you will be reporting back on your challenge. Okay, so this week's homework is we're asking you to canvas a few people in your life to ascertain on a scale of one to ten, one being quite mild and ten being pretty bad, um, how bad they believe the climate crisis is in Ireland and in the world. Okay, so that's your challenge for next week and we look forward to hearing how you get on. There it is. The group have their homework for next week and they're set off to do just that. Join us next week at the same time, at the same place, when we look at what is the problem when it comes to the climate crisis. And the group of young people already have some very big opinions on that. We look forward to hearing them. Chat to you all next week. You've been listening to a journey through the climate crisis on KCLR. To hear this episode again and more, download the KCLR app. A journey through the climate crisis is funded by commissioning the man with a television license fee.